Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Welcome into the latest episode of Five on the Floor on the Five Reasons Sports Network. I'm Ethan Skolnick. Before we get to today's episode, I want to tell you about one of the great sponsors of the Five Reasons Sports Network and, of course, this podcast, and that is BetDSI.com. Make sure you go to BetDSI.com. Use the promo code 5101. That's F-I-V-E 101. Why would you use it? Because it gives you a little bit more money to play with, which you need to when you're gambling. Of course, you can bet on this Dolphin season, which I don't know if you want to do that, but eh, might, might make it a little bit watchable. Of course, the Hurricanes, any other NFL or college football action, but also with the heat starting up, if you're real degenerate, you can do the ex- exhibition games. But I would actually suggest that you bet on them this season in terms of their over-under because it's right now it's about 42 and a half. I've been telling you I feel good about that. Don't hold me to it, but certainly you could go over and I think you'll make a little bit of money there. So go to BetDSI.com, put in the promo code 5101. And now, on to today's episode. Welcome to Five on the Floor, a Miami Heat and NBA podcast from Ethan Skolnick with Alphonse Sydney, a.k.a. Alf954. Brought to you by the Five Reasons Sports Network. All right, Ethan Skolnick back here on Five on the Floor. I'm joined, as I usually am, by Alphonse Sidney. You can find him at Alf954. No Alex Toledo today, but I think we found a very suitable replacement. If you have been following the Miami Heat at all lately, you know that everybody's talking about one person, and it's not Jimmy Butler. It's Tyler Harrow. Oh, sorry. Chris Silva. Right. No, maybe Chris Silva too. <laughs> <laughs> but, but we've gone from – I've never seen a situation like this, and I want to bring in somebody who knows Tyler really well and has had something to do with his development, uh, whose name is, is Travis Resop. He is a – he was Tyler Harrow's high school coach, and obviously uh, Tyler ended up going to Kentucky for one season and then ending up with the Miami Heat, drafted 11th overall, ends up with the Heat. And I've never seen anything like this, Travis, where somebody goes from – draft night where a fan base is skeptical of him and that's putting it mildly to all of a sudden after summer league and you know a couple of preseason games and a scrimmage and training camp everybody wants him to be here forever i've I've never seen quite a turn like this and i'm just wondering in your experience with tyler and thank you for joining us really appreciate it um in your experience with tyler does anything that he's done here so far since he's gotten to miami surprise you you know, to be honest with you, not really. Um, so I just a little backstory. So I didn't get to Whitnell until Tyler was a junior. And obviously I'm a big basketball fan around the state of Wisconsin. And he was a big name. And, and I think that, you know, as I got there and I got to know Tyler, you know, I, I started to really understand how good of a player he was. Um, but, but living there, you know, we're just kind of people where – you know, we like the people that are loyal to our teams and he was going to Wisconsin and then he didn't. So I think that right there, there's a lot of doubt where people are like, oh, well, I don't know why he's going to Kentucky. He's never going to make it. And he's just constantly proved people wrong. And since I've known him, I've always been like, you guys will be surprised as to how good he is and how versatile he is and how good he is as a shooter, as a passer, 
how good of an IQ he has. So, so to me, it's always been every step of his life. It's been people who have kind of been a little skeptical of him. So for, for me and how much I've seen Tyler, that's, that's really not really a big surprise to me just because of how he's always carried himself throughout his, since I've known him. Coach, so seeing Tyler now, where, where do you see the biggest improvement in his game from the time he was in high school? Because really, it's really not that long ago. So from high school to now, where's the biggest improvement? You know, I, I really think that he's obviously elevated his overall game because I think that there's not one thing that Tyler just works on individually. Um, he's a guy who is really, really inclined to take your criticism and, and use it to make him better. Um, but obviously, I think the footwork has, has been something that, that he's really, really improved on. Um, you know, going into Kentucky, one of the first things that Cal asked me, is like, well, do you think Tyler can defend at our level? And I'm like, you know, I, I do because of, of how good he is and how smart of a player he is. But I think that as he's gone on, I think his footwork and his quickness are things that, that he's really worked on to get better at as he's gone to, to the next level. Well, the other thing, in addition to the basketball, Travis, that's jumped out to Heat fans is this confidence. I know that Tyler kind of calls it drip. I asked him who has the most drip of anybody on the freshman class. I know that, or the rookie class. I know that has a lot to do with fashion. And he says, me. And I said, who's second? He says, I don't know, but first is me. His confidence, I think, has jumped out to people here. We've seen a lot of confident players with the Heat, you know, but they were like guys who came in like LeBron and Shaq, you know, who had accomplished all that. Tyler came in from the very first moment here wanting to work hard, but also wanting to sort of looking like he wanted to show he wasn't afraid of anything around here. Do you have any stories from your high school days with him that sort of speaks to that level of confidence that he has in himself? Oh, you know, it's, it's kind of interesting because, you know, when I first met Tyler, um, so his junior year, I was actually the assistant coach. And then his senior year, I became the head coach and Tyler was kind of in and out of games his junior year. He had a little tweak injury where, you know, it kind of prevented him from playing consistently in every game. Um, but, you know, after a game, Coach always kind of says, all right, captains, do you guys have anything to say? And surprisingly enough, Tyler would be like, you know, we just got to play better. Or, you know, we, you know, we played really, really good tonight. It was something so simple like, okay, thanks from the guy with many words. And I remember when I, I, I got the job and I'm like, okay, Tyler, like, you know, I get that you're a phenomenal basketball player and you're probably one of the best players to ever come out of the state of Wisconsin. And I was like, so let me try to give you my advice as to what I think that you need to do to be a better player. And I was like, do you realize like how much that these guys on your team, like look up to you and you're such an influence for them. And I was like, you kind of need to be more of a vocal leader. And you know what? We were sitting there at Buffalo Wild Wings and he goes, don't worry, coach, I got you. And then it just kind of took like a huge leap. Like it was like a totally different person from that. And I think it's just somebody like believing in Tyler and just saying like, dude, like you need to bring out that confidence that you have because that swagger is so contagious. And when you play like that, everybody else around you is going to elevate their game too. And I think that, you know, going into his senior year, he just kind of wanted to prove people that he was as good as what he was, you know, for Kentucky and to play at that next level and to fulfill his dreams because, you know, he, he said ever since I've met him, my dreams to go to the NBA. 
my dreams to go to the NBA. So, so a kid like that, it's just one of those things where, you know, he just, I think he needs somebody to bring it out of him. And when he, once he got it brought out of him, it's just like the sky's the limit for that kid. Coach, so you were talking about Tyler wanting somebody, you know, to believe in him and bringing, bringing, you know, the best out of him. What we've seen with this Heat team, his relationship with Jimmy Butler has been kind of uh, something that we focused on. And Jimmy has really taken him under his wing. And Jimmy's known for like that tough love. And he's really taken to Tyler. Are you surprised by that? Or is that just, is that fitting with Tyler's personality? Um, that fits with Tyler's personality uh, solely for the reason because I know his dad really well, and that's the way that Tyler's been treated his entire life. Um, you know, his dad was never, ever a guy who was ever going to sugarcoat anything for Tyler, no matter what, no matter how good he was. If he didn't play as good as he thought that Tyler should play, he was going to be honest with him. So, like, Tyler's one of those guys who are, like, you know, he's going to take it. He's going to take the criticism. He's just going to work harder in order to to get better at, at his craft. And, and I credit his dad for that because I think his, for his dad being so honest with him and pushing him to that, to that next level, you know, it's kind of helped him build that confidence and swagger that he had. So, you know, it's, it's a really interesting quality to have because, you know, you can't always, you know, teach a kid to have such a work ethic that, that Tyler has, but you know what, my impression is that Jimmy Butler maybe didn't like playing in Minnesota because those guys couldn't handle the criticism. And I think that I always, I think that Tyler's a perfect fit for that because Tyler's going to be the first one in the gym. Tyler's going to be the one who's going to stay late. Tyler's going to be the one that's going to come later. If somebody, somebody else is going to be there too. So, you know, like that's one thing that's never changed. And I think that that's probably why him and Jimmy get along really, really well because they're both really hard nosed blue collar guys because Tyler's just been that way forever. And, you know, his dad has been somebody like that. That's made sure that, he, he knows that he's got to keep getting better. We're talking to Travis Resop, who coached Tyler Harrow in college, or excuse me, in high school before he went to college at Kentucky. And it, that leads me to something else here, because it's, it's not just Jimmy that is demanding, although he is one of the more demanding players in the NBA. We've done a series of episodes on that, and we've, we've felt, Alf and I have felt, that, and, and Eric Spolster and Pat Riley have given voice to this, that Miami was the perfect place for Jimmy because – you know, this is a place where they want you to get after players at practice. They want you to hold people accountable. The things that scare, I keep saying this, the things that scare other NBA organizations about Jimmy Butler are the things that the Heat embrace. And, and so I felt it would be a good fit, and I feel that way about Tyler also. But a couple of questions for you just about sort of his, his path to get here. So you mentioned Kentucky. He goes there for one season. He didn't play, I mean, he played early in the season, but he didn't, contribute that much and then all of a sudden it kind of blew up about halfway through the year where you know he was you know at times they were leaning on him quite a bit and then he ends up in Miami I'm just curious your impressions a of the development in Kentucky b his decision to leave after one year because I know a lot of guys do that but he didn't have quite the resume of some others who were one and dones and then going to Miami and what kind of a fit you thought it would be for him once he got here um, you know, I, I go back to when, when Cal came and visited us or visited him um, at Whitnall. And one of the things that stood out to me is that he said, Kentucky is not for everybody. And he's like, and we, that's why we don't always go for every single of the top 10 recruits. We want guys that are going to be able to play here 
and to be able to handle what what we're doing. And he and he always asked me, he's like, do you think Tyler is one of those players? And I said, said I, I really do just because Tyler's drive to get, get better and to get to the next level. Um, and he's like, okay. And he's like, and I see that because, you know, Tyler's been known to have this dog mentality and whatnot. Um, but, you know, I think that a lot of people overlook and, you know, what, why Tyler maybe didn't flourish as much as a scorer as he did is because, you know, Cal obviously demands his, his star players and his five-star guys to, to play together as a team. And I think Tyler is really a guy that's going to totally embrace the role that he has on his team and he'll do whatever he has uh, to win games. So statistically wise, if you, if you look at it and um, I obviously looked at what Tyler did when he was at Kentucky, he led the team in minutes. So he was somebody that it was like, okay, he might not be scoring, but it's a guy that we can't take off the floor because he does so many other things really, really well. I thought that, you know, he has great instincts defensively. He was a guy that, you know, no matter what, you had to pay attention to defensively because he could go off at any moment. And I thought, he, personally, he was one of the best passers on that team. So, so although the numbers aren't there, I think Tyler just contributes in so many different ways that it's hard to keep him off the floor. But then he just continued to get better. And when the moments were in his hands where – he needed him to get a bucket or there's somebody that, you know, needs to play the point. He was, he was a guy that was going to do that. And I think that that's part of the reason why people are a little surprised because, you know, they don't always see that big picture of what he's actually contributing to the, to the court. And Tyler does just everything really, really, really good. And so I think that as he's going into the draft process, you know, he does those things, but once you bring him into a workout and you see how good he can shoot, you see how he, good he can be off the pick and roll and he, how good he can make reads. It's like, damn, it's, there's no surprise why he shot up the draft, draft boards at that point. Yeah, speaking of the draft process and the draft board, were you surprised uh, to see some of the negative reaction at first from the, from the fan base when he was picked? And do you know if Tyler heard some of that negativity and did any of that affect him at all? You know, I, I think Tyler knows that it's there, uh, but it's been something that, that has been there since he was in high school. Uh, but I think that he's one of those guys that's that's so focused on what he wants to try to accomplish that he doesn't really let it bother him. You know, he's a he's a one day at a time kind of guy. Uh, I remember talking to his dad and, and and even Tyler after one of the workouts. I think uh, with the Celtics had said he made 80 out of 100 threes or something in a in a last drill of his workout. And I asked him, I'm like, I was like, how'd you feel after that workout? And he was like, it was good. He's like, but I got another one in San Antonio, so it's only going to be as good as my next workout is. So, it's pretty, you know, he's always stayed humble his entire life. His dad has been somebody who's always made him stay grounded. And I think that's something about Tyler where it's like, you know, I don't really need to focus on what's going on outside because I know how good I am. I know what I want out of, out of this whole process. So I'm not going to let other people doubting me or people questioning if I'm actually a top 15 pick get to my head. So I think that's, that's something that he's done a really, really nice job of just because he's, he's kind of had a lot of people criticize him for a long time already. Yeah. When I asked him, Travis, about, you know, who he feels he should be compared to, because, you know, that happens like even on draft night, Alf and I here, my co-host, we did that, you know, okay, who does he yep. look like? Who does he resemble? And of course, you know, there's always a certain place we go 
with a, with a you know a, a Caucasian shooter. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> Which is sure. like you you start going through the list. Yeah. Okay, he's JJ Redick. No, he's Mike Miller, who we're familiar with here. No, uh oh, he may be Nick Stauskas. Like you start going through a list of guys. And I asked, uh, you know, him recently, I said, you know, who do you, you want to sort of be compared to? And he says, no one. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes. So doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. You know, I'm me. Um, I, I, I'm just wondering from your perspective, I know you didn't coach all these other guys, but when you watch his game, as Heat fans try to project his game, because now people are calling him like White Devin Booker. Like, I mean, this is kind of where this has gone on Twitter and everywhere else. Whose game does he remind you of in, in any way? You know, it's, it's funny that you say that because, you know, I've had this conversation with a, with a lot of other guys and, and you know, how he can – how he's going to do, do in the, in, in the league and everything. And, you know, it, it's so weird to say about, well, he's a combination of this guy, this guy, and this guy, and this guy, because I, I'm actually really close with his trainer too. And, you know, I ask him a lot of these questions and he's like, you know, he's like, I have trouble just picking one particular guy that, that you can say that he's like, just because, you know, he does spend time picking little pieces out of different guys in the NBA um, based on their film. So he loves Devin Booker. I think that's been something that's pretty evident for a long time. Um, you know, he picks a lot of guys as to, from Steve Nash, how you can handle making pocket passes out of the pick and roll or, you know, watching film about how J.J. Redick moves without the ball. And I think that's stuff that, you know, he tries to take a lot from a lot of different players that he sees are going to make his game better and do it. So to answer your question, I don't know if I can pick a specific guy in the league that – Tyler's like because you know he is going to come in and he's going to do his own thing and I think that that's what's really special about him is you know he's he's not like one single player we're going to go to break here in a second when we come back though I want, I want to get into a couple of criticisms of Tyler Harrow when he was coming out because we, we've talked about it in general terms but there were a couple of things that came out and, and I haven't really seen them yet and I'm curious to see uh, what Travis thinks of them so we'll be right back in a second we'll get back to our episode here in a second but one thing that you know if you followed me, is that I'm old. I've been doing this since 1996. That was my first year covering the Miami Heat. When you get old, you get out of shape, and that's what was happening to me. It wasn't enough for me just to go to the gym because all I'll do there is exercise my Twitter fingers. I needed someone to push me a little bit. I reached out to Jose from Evolution of Fitness, and you should too. It's not just a workout for you there. It's like a total nutrition program and everything else. And as someone who used to drink six Coca-Colas a day, I definitely need that. So reach out to Jose. I'm not posting workout selfies. I will just tell you I look and feel better than I did a few months ago. Give him a call at 754-423-1153. That's 754-423-1153. 
53. Reach out to Jose, Evolution of Fitness. Make sure you mention Ethan or five reasons so he knows where you came from, and maybe he'll take it easy on you, but probably not. All right, back here on five on the floor. And, you know, you start going through scouting reports. You mentioned about, you know, critiques from various people, but they, they tend to mean more for when they're coming from scouts or they're kind of whispers from GMs or all the rest of that. And there were a couple things that, that about Tyler that, that I think made people question, again, whether or not he was a top 15 pick. Uh, one of which uh, was this idea of him having short arms. That was like a big thing for guys in our network, like in terms of measurables and how that was going to affect him particularly defensively. Did you feel in any way as you were coaching him in high school, I know he's not playing against the same level of player that he's going to be seeing, you know, up at this level or even at Kentucky, but did you ever have a problem like sort of with him defensively in any way, not from an effort standpoint, because I know he gives that, but just from sort of what he can contribute defensively athletically. Um, I remember his reaction when, when they told, told him that he had short arms and he just kind of laughed about it. He said that he never had any idea about it. So I thought that that was kind of funny because I never even pictured that limiting his game. Um, but, you know, I, I know you guys watch the games and you see a lot of highlights and stuff, but um, the preseason game the other night against Charlotte where he stole that inbounds pass, you remember the play that I'm, yep. I'm talking about right now? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So the inbounds pass and laid it in. You know, that's something that Tyler has kind of been doing forever. Um, and to me, as his high school coach, you're kind of like, dude, let's go. I mean, you can't gamble all the time. You can't gamble all the time because it's going to hurt us. It's going to hurt us. But the more I, I, I coached him and as we went along in games, it was kind of like, geez, you know, I can't limit this guy from doing some of the things that makes him a great player. You know, and, and I think that those are the things that you talk about his length or whatever. Tyler makes up with IQ because it, he sees things way, way more than, than other people. And it, I had one of my friends come to one of his high school games and I asked him their input on what he thought about Tyler. And he's like, he's like, well, you know, the gym was packed. So the only seat that I had was at the top of the bleachers. And he's like, and I'm actually really happy that I got to sit up there because I swear Watching Tyler play, it looks like the game is in slow motion for him. Like, he just sees things three, four times quicker than anybody else. And, and I think that that's something that allows him to make up for maybe his lack of athleticism or lack of length that he has because he's, he's so smart and, and he's able to, to do things that affect plays because he can see things better than everybody else. And, I, and he made a ton of those plays at Kentucky – um, and I think he's going to do the same thing uh, while he's in the NBA. And I even talked to a couple of scouts too um, through the draft process. And, and I even asked them, I'm like, so what, what do you guys think about, about Tyler defensively? And they're like, you know, Tyler's such a smart player that, you know, players only have to defend four or five seconds in the league. And, and if they can handle doing that, you know, they're going to be okay. So, so to me, it just made it, made it really clear to me that I didn't really think that Tyler's ever going to have a hard time defending once he gets to that level in just because of how well his IQ is. And I don't think that having short arms is, it's really going to affect how he's going to play. Okay. So we, we talked about a lot of the basketball stuff, but the, those of us who don't watch a lot of college basketball were introduced to Tyler on draft night wearing the craziest suit <laughs> probably out of any of the uh, the draft picks that night. A lot of people said it was a great suit. Some people not, uh, didn't like it as much. 
What about Tyler's personality off the court have you seen that kind of lends to this whole uh, – his, his interest in fashion and um, just overall his personality? And because when we see him and we talk to him in the, lo- the locker room, he's very professional, very serious. Off the, off the court, is he more fun, more outgoing? Does his personality kind of match the fashion sense? You know, I, if I were to say that there's a personality that matches his fashion sense, I would say it's more how he is on the court because Tyler's actually really, I would say, introverted when he's, when he's off the court. He's actually mm-hmm. a really, really quiet guy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when he was here, he had a really good core group of, of friends uh, that they hung out all the time. Um, and, and he was not one to, you know, soak in the limelight or, you know, be somebody who's extremely cocky off the court. Um, obviously, people kind of razzed him a lot for not going to Wisconsin when he was in high school. But, you know, he kind of embraced that. And if kids came up to him after the game with their Wisconsin T-shirts on and asked him for a picture, he would never hesitate to do that. Uh, just, just really an overall really, really nice kid. But He's very to himself and the people that he's really, really close to. I think that that's something that is a really good quality about him is that he really values the relationships that he has with the people that are close to him. Um, So in regards to to his fashion, the the way that he plays is kind of a a reflection of of how he dresses because he's really spontaneous. You never know what he's going to do. He's one of those guys where – He's gonna gonna hit you in the face with maybe some flashy shirt or some flashy pants or whatever it may be, and and I think that that's the the same way that he plays basketball because it's like you know after you watch him a couple times you're like whoa, like I did not expect that out of uh, a white kid from Wisconsin or whatever it may be. <laughs> Jimmy used the uh, Jimmy the other night. What was it? Was it the sneaky? What was that? He, he was sneaky, shifty, shifty. He's... Yeah. All the Jimmy white went, code words. <laughs> Jimmy went to all of those words the other night, which which it's it's true. Yeah. I mean, people when people watch him, I mean, they get it, but absolutely. But they don't think of it with the dress either. That's the thing. That's why it kind of jumped out. Like obviously, you know, it's like, oh wait, a white kid's doing that on a draft night. Like what is that? And you know, it. it but yeah. I I think I think it endeared him pretty quickly to Heat fans, and then once they started seeing him on the court, uh, even more so. We're talking to Travis Reese up. Uh, he's he's at Whitnall in Wisconsin and coached. Uh, you can follow him at Coach Resop. That's R I E S O P on Twitter. Coach uh, Tyler Harrow, his last year uh, up there in Wisconsin. I just want uh, up there in Wisconsin. I just want to ask you um, uh, about a couple of other things. And again, these are personality related to a certain degree. You know, you mentioned you know sure. him being he mentioned him being a little bit quiet, and we've noticed that in the media too. That I, I think whenever a rookie comes down, sometimes we take sort of being a little bit, I don't know tentative about dealing with kind of this you know being an nba player and everything is as being sort of standoffish in some way but uh, again what you've said and everybody else has said is that's not really the case it's just him kind of sort of trying to feel out a situation and again being a little bit more introverted um i'm just curious to you how do you think he'll handle sort of the rigors and the pressures of nba life because he had the one year at kentucky obviously it's enormous pressure and scrutiny on that program but NBA life is a little bit different. Do you think with kind of his family structure, how involved his father is and all that, that this will be something that he'll be able to handle maybe better than the average rookie? Yeah, I mean, I think that what a lot of people don't get is, like, Tyler's a really routine guy. So, you know, i obviously still coaching and still keep in touch with Tyler, and I have him on Snapchat. So, you know, we talk through there and everything, and it's like, 
I get up for work and I go to school at 5.15 or leave at, for school for 5.30 and I still get Snapchats from Tyler going to the gym at 5.15, going to the gym at 5.30 in the morning. You know, he's such a routine guy where it's not been any different from when he went to high school to when he went to college to where he is now. Like, he's a guy that, like, understands that, you know, the, the grind or the work doesn't stop no matter what level you're on. Um, and, and just an example of this, so when he was in high school, um, obviously our building has certain hours, uh, but he texted me on Christmas Eve morning, hey, coach, let me get in the gym today. And I'm like, Tyler, it's Christmas Eve. Like, can you take a day off and can you just hang out with your family or do whatever? He's like, nah, he's like, that's not me. And I'm like, I was like, well, if I could get into the gym, I'd let you this morning, but I, but I can't, I'm sorry. Um, but, but he's really actually a guy that doesn't take days off. Like he, it's just not something that's ingrained in him. And I feel like if he does, he feels like he's missing out on something. So Tyler's been a routine guy since he was 16, 17 years old. And it's kind of interesting because, you know, the earliest I can get into school is at 6 a.m. And he asked me one day, he's like, hey, how early can you get into school to let me in? And, and I'm a guy who's never going to say no to a kid, um, especially if he wants to come in and get extra work. And I said, I can get in at 6 o'clock. And, and, and he said, oh, never mind then. And I'm like, what, is that too early for you? And he said, no. And he's like, he's like, I can't get my work done. To, or in enough time to go home and shower and get ready for school at six o'clock. So, you know, he's just a guy that has kind of always just been that way. And like, it's almost like you have to try to kick the kid out of the gym to keep him, keep him from being in there or else he's going to be in there all the time. He's, he's an absolute gym rat. So, so, you know, the work ethic and, and the demands of it, I, I, I don't think are going to be too much for him because he's been doing that since he was, 14, 15 years old, just going to the gym and, and working out two, three times a day, being productive. So, so I don't think that the pressures are going to catch up to him because you know, I've, I've gotten a lot of hate letters for, for Tyler that, you know, he's just kind of like, well, it is what it is. I understand that people are, are going to like me and people aren't going to like me. So I'm just going to do me. I'm going to work hard. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just prove everybody wrong and, and that I am as good as what I actually know I am. Well, he had a ton of 40-point games for you, uh, I mean, during one stretch. I, I think I, I read an article here in Kentucky before he went to Kentucky kind of talking about how you, you said he had a quiet 48 one night, which is, which is pretty remarkable. Uh, but the last thing for you before we let you go, and again, follow him at Coach Resop, he calls himself a bucket. When did that start? Did that start when he was with you? Did that start at Kentucky? Because, I mean, we even have I'm a Bucket t-shirts on our website at fivereasonsports.com now, which he said he liked the other day. Where, where did the bucket thing come from? To be, honest with, to be honest with you, I think that, you know, when we go back to the personality that he has, I think that was one of the things that was just kind of a spur-of-the-moment thing where all of a sudden you're watching the game and he's at the free throw line and he's like, I'm a bucket, and that's where it started. I mean, obviously <laughs> – he, obviously he can fill it up. He, he averaged 32 points a game in high school. He shot like 43% from the field. So it's like, obviously I know that he can score and he can shoot and whatever, but you know, it's just one of those things where I think I rewound it, rewound the, the game like five times to try to figure out like, do you just say that you're a bucket to a guy from the other team and just kind of smirk about it and then get the ball and just drain the free throw. 
and he's just like, I, yeah, I guess. I mean, it's just kind of one of those things where it's like, <laughs> not going to make a big deal about it, but then you just kind of watch, like, where did you even come up with that? And he's just like, I don't know. It's just, it's just in the heat of the game, and those the guys were talking trash, and I knew that I was going to drain the free throw, so I set him a bucket. That's awesome. <laughs> That's pretty good. Well, he shoots almost 100% from the line, so it's a pretty good way to go. Again, follow up at Coach Resop. Uh, Travis, we really appreciate you taking the time. We hope we can maybe get with you at times during the season as well because people will be following uh, his progress and certainly going to want to get your perspective. So thank you for joining us today. We really appreciate it. This episode also brought to you by Seltzer Mayberg. You can find Seltzer Mayberg at onecalllegal.com. There's someone available for you 24 hours a day. They handle everything all over the state. Specialty and traffic tickets got mine thrown out recently. So check them out again. One call for Seltzer Maker. Thank you, Travis. Thanks coach. Yeah, no problem. Ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.